Amen. Come on, let's get excited. This ain't time to die out. We are here, amen. We're alive. We have breath. We can worship. Come on, let's stand real quick for the reading of the word this morning. I want you to hear this word. I didn't even have somebody come up and read it because I, I needed to read it. You know, I, I needed, you know, you, know you, could, you could hear something sometimes, but sometimes you got to hear yourself say something to anybody, right? Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. For the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. You may be seated. Father, we thank you for your word which changes, comes alive, and transforms. I pray it takes root in us and grows and strengthens us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Even in the darkness, light dawns. Even in the darkness, light arises. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. How many of you have had to wrestle with those three words this week? I trust you. Let me tell you, those three little words are like three huge hurdles to climb, aren't they? On Monday night, I'll confess to you, when the winds picked up to their greatest strength, when the gushes of winds were, were felt like they were going to actually move my house. When I watched trees that were just feet away from my house bend and sway as if they were made of rubber. And I just waited for the snap where, where the tree would just wipe out my house. I kept saying to myself, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. You, you got me. That, that verse, trust in the Lord with all, with, all your, 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 with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, that got real, real to me. Because in my own understanding, I wanted to run around the house like a little girl. We're going to die. We're going to die. I was, I was praying all kinds of death out there prayers in King James. Lord, thou for whither hold, holdeth, thou shalt arriveth in my house. It, it was, but, but I remember, I'll be honest, I, at the end of every anxiety session, 
I, I can honestly, truthfully tell you that I ended every little session with, but God, I trust you. I trust you, God. I trust you. Many times my wife had to tell me, get away from the window. Because I would just be mesmerized at the window watching the trees sway and sway. And, 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 and if you've been around my house, the trees are taller than my house. So one of, those, one of those trees, I have about six around my perimeter that are literally like this pole to me. And, and they were just swaying back and forth and I would watch them. So God, you know, I, I, and, and, and my wife would say, get away from it. Close the curtain already. Stop. You know, she knew I'm losing my mind. I was losing it. Because, you know, I'm the man of the house. I got to make sure everybody here is good. You know, I just got my daughters at home. I got to make sure everybody here is going to be all right. I got to worry. I got to, you understand, there's a lot of pressure that builds. And, and my wife would tell me, just get away from the window. And I had to say, God, God, I, I trust you. I trust you. I know, God, you said you won't give me more than I can handle. I know, God, you said that you protect those that delight in you. I know you said that my steps are ordered. The issue is... And this is probably the issue for a lot of us. We've been through enough to understand that sometimes God answers prayers not the way you want him to. Anybody? Sometimes he answers prayers knowing the things that you don't know. So I want to share this message with you this morning being very careful in what I say and how we deal with this tragedy that we've all experienced this past week. Whether you lost power, water, or worse, this was a tremendous tragedy. And short of 9-11, I don't think there's anything in my lifetime that I can compare to it that has had such an impact in our lives. But I'm here to tell you this morning that even in the darkness, light arises. Even in the darkness, light dawns for the upright. For the gracious and compassionate and righteous man, good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I snuck that in. You had to hear that three times. See, because there's many Facebook prophets. Well, and there's tons of Facebook prophets out there calling this God's judgment on New York. I don't know where your theology is and how you feel about that, but allow me to share what, what God has put on my heart and what I've seen from the scriptures. There are many people claiming God is sick and tired of New York. God is sick of the sin in the city. And family, while I'm sure that God sees the sin in this city, I'm sure God isn't thrilled with the spiritual climate in the city, but we have to be very careful how we represent God to a hurting world. Are you with me, team? Now listen, I won't apologize for God. I don't think God needs me to defend him. The word, thank you. The that was good, right? Even in their class, they were like, that's good, Pastor. <laughs> the word clearly says, as the time approaches, you will hear wars of rumors of wars. See to it that you're not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. 
Church, these things must happen. Are these storms God's punishment or are they God's signs? Are they wrath or are they warning? I want you to really think about that. In the Old Testament, when we read about the destruction of a city, when God turns his face from a city, it doesn't just have houses destroyed. It doesn't just lose some people. It isn't just some communities. When God turns his face from a city to rain destruction on it, it is completely gone. How many of you know, right? If you read the Old Testament, when God turns his face from a city, they're gone. There is no shelter. There is no making it. There is no just getting by. There is no, thank God I didn't lose power. There is no, thank God the tree didn't hit my house. When God sets to destroy, destroy something, it is destroyed. We, we clearly read it's completely gone. So we have to be careful in these New Testament times as believers and ambassadors of God. We have to be very careful what we throw around as Bible. I hear people sometimes trying to minister and they, and they share something and they start speaking nonsense and I, I start to sweat. Because it's usually a place where I can't, I have no influence so I can't get up and smack a mic out of his hand, you know. And, 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 and it makes me crazy because they, they start speaking nonsense that's not only not sound biblically but just plain nonsense. You want to slap somebody and say, listen, you have to read it before you preach it. You have to know it before you blow it. So I want us to, to use that same standard with everything, especially in situations like this where the world is looking for hope and looking for a reason to move on. We're too quick to repeat what we hear, consider it truth, and preach it like gospel. We can read somebody else's prophetic word about God's destruction of the city of, and as a major hurricane rips through it and say, wow, that sounds right. Like how prophetic do you have to be to say, you know, there's sin in the land and this hurricane destroyed it. It's kind of like a Facebook, you know, forecast when, when the news says it's going to rain all week and the Facebook prophet says the land in the city will be wet for many days. Now people could say, and I heard this, people could say, well, the shore got hit so hard, it got hit the hardest because of the sin of the people in that area. That's, that's, a, that's a serious judgment to throw. Could it be that the shore got hit the hardest because they're on the shore? <laughs> right? Could it be that because they're on the water, they got hit the hardest? Is everything spiritual or can we look at some things in the natural as well? Right? Could there be, could, did Staten Island get ravished because it's a little island? Did the Jersey Shore get destroyed, Atlantic City and all that? Why? Because of the gambling and the sin or because it's on front of the beach? <laughs> Please understand, I'm not trying to make light of, of, of the destruction. I'm not trying to, but, but we have to be really careful how we represent God to people, especially during these times. We're quick to hear of a story on the internet of an atheist who lived on that block and that got flooded and then tell the story like it was gospel. Oh, I heard there was an atheist that lived in that building. That's why God destroyed it. 
If God was after us, who can stand? Does anybody in here feel comfortable enough to say, no, my role will survive? If, this, if God was after this church and blew up all these people, was anybody comfortable enough in their, in their spirituality that I said, no, not me, my cousin, um, that guy, and the other one? No, she's going to die. But, but that, we, I know she, you know, look what she's wearing, you know, you know, right? If God, listen, if God came after us, who can stand? Now, don't get me wrong, I don't want to pretend that I have a clear-cut answer for this tragedy. I can only look back now, and as tragic as it was, I can be thankful and grateful that it passed. We can be thankful for now that it's over. We can be grateful that we still have breath in our lungs, that we still have a chance to move on. But that still leaves us as the body of Christ with the question, did God send the hurricane on us on purpose? Because we can look at the forecast and say, wow, man, the way that storm pattern came up, the way, you know, and they compared it to Irene and they compared it and they said, this is the way this thing came. It looked like it was like a sniper shot right to our forehead, you know. It looked like it came right to us on purpose. Did God send the hurricane to us on purpose? All I, all I do know is that God could have stopped it, right? Do you believe God could have stopped it? Do you believe God could have blown it out to shore and it not hit New York at all? I, I prayed that so I knew that he could do it. I was praying that as a God let it. Let it, God, let it just blow out to see God like it's happened before. Let it just blow out. And I prayed that, and I prayed that knowingly, knowing that God could do that. But he chose not to do it. He chose not to. That's, that's something that we're going to have to wrestle with. And like every tragedy that happens in our lives when we lose someone, when someone gets sick, when there's an accident, we do know that God could have stopped it. God could have changed the situation when God doesn't do things the way we would wanted him to do we have to step back and ask why right we have to understand that God sees the whole picture that he sees the beginning and the end he's the alpha and the omega <coughs> when we were little and we begged and pleaded for something from our parents parents how many times do you give the kids the things that they beg and plead you for right not all the time i hope why because you know certain things that they're asking for they're not ready to handle right because you know that if you gave them those things that they're bleep and pleading you know i don't know about some of you guys but uh, you know there's some kids in here that they'll cry for three days straight right amen <laughs> the parent with a tired look just say amen they won't give up. They're like pit bulls. They hold on to that one thing, and they're not giving up until you get that thing or until something else comes, you know, and then they forget about that thing. But we know as parents we can't give kids everything they ask for. Why? They don't have the understanding that we have. Correct? They don't understand the reasoning behind. We tell them because I said so. But they don't understand the reason behind those things that we with hold from them so in this day and age knowing what we know about God knowing where we've come from and what we've been through there's some truths that we do know number one we know that these times must come 
We know that God warns us and admonishes us. We know that God has called us to pray. I can't imagine there were many Christians that weren't praying Monday night. But I wonder if the Monday night before that Monday, we prayed so powerfully or so really, right? So genuinely. I wonder, but, but isn't it something when you're in the middle of a storm, all of a sudden you know how to pray, right? All of a sudden you get the words. You want to, I don't pray, I don't, you know, I don't pray in public, I don't pray. When the storm comes, you start shando barhan, right? You start praying. You speaking in tongues, you start praying. You, you get it all of a sudden, right? So we know God has called us to pray. We know that God has entrusted us to go and make disciples of all nations. We can't let that go especially in the, in the middle of all these signs and wonders. We know that God has entrusted us with the least of these. We know that God expects us to be the salt of the earth. We know that God expects for us to be the light, and that means even in the darkness, light must arise. Somebody say amen. So here's where I want to go. Instead of looking for all the reasons why God should destroy the city, we have to flip that thinking on its head and understand, this is tweetable, so get your tweeters out. We have to understand that the heart of God is for our redemption and not our destruction. I wrote in my notes, say it twice. <laughs> the heart of God is for our redemption, not our destruction. God loves us. It's God's will that none should perish. Even in the Old Testament story of Sodom and Gomorrah, when Abraham prayed, God agreed. He got him all the way down. He agreed that if there were even 10 people in that city, I won't destroy it. Can you imagine as the wrath of God that was about to fall, the wrath that wanted to destroy that city, the, the hurt and the pain and the, the wrath. That was, and God said, i tell you what, if there's 10 people in that place that serve me, if there's 10 people that call out to me, if there are 10, I, I won't destroy this city. In the whole city, if there were 10, it wouldn't be. Listen, as wicked as the city of Sodom and Gomorrah was that we read, we probably have it beat in wickedness tenfold. Anybody disagree? We probably have it beat tenfold. The stuff that we've come up with, the stuff that we put on television, the stuff that we put on the internet, the stuff that we find in our wicked hearts to do, we probably have Sodom and Gomorrah beat tenfold. If God wanted a reason to wipe out the earth, I'm sure we've given him plenty. I'm sure the sin of the city doesn't go unnoticed by God. I'm sure the blood of the innocent still cries out to him. I'm sure the tears of the oppressed and unrepresented are still noticed by God. I also believe, like Abraham's prayer, the prayers of the body of Christ stand as the ten. Amen? Are there ten people in here? praying for the Bronx? Do we have 10, at, at least in all of the churches in the Bronx and in the city, do we have at least 10 that are honestly praying? I believe the body of Christ, the prayers of the body of Christ stand as those 10. And I truly believe the heart of the Father is looking for those he can redeem rather than searching for those he can punish. So let's go in. We spoke about a father last week in Isaac who had two sons. 
and only one blessing to give. And we talked about how the son that is blessed prospered and the one who was not ended up being far from the Lord for many generations, right? Well, in the New Testament, Luke 15, you can turn there just to show off that you have your Bibles. In Luke 15, Jesus shares three parables back to back, three short stories to really help us understand the heart of God. And this is what God has given me for you this morning. He tells us three quick stories, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. In the first, he says, what man among you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one, does not leave the 99 standing in the open field and go after the one that is lost? Then when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing and then celebrates with his friends because he has found his lost sheep. I want you to notice the response of the father to the one sheep that wandered off. It says he searched for it, he found it, and then he's not even angry with it. Think about it. There's a hundred sheep that he has to take care of. There's a hundred sheep that are dumb sheep. All they know is to be sheep. They just know that, you know, whatever. We stay. One of those out of the hundred wandered off. Had no business to wander off. Did not follow what he was told to do. Was not walking in obedience. Wandered off. One sheep. The shepherd left the 99 standing. Jesus is showing the story to give us the heart of God. He said he left the 99 standing. He said, y'all stay right here. I'll be right back. And he went to go find the sheep. Now, if we were in a Rahatabla church, he would go to find the sheep and beat the sheep out of him. Right? He'd find that sheep, put him on disciplina. He'd tie him up and lift him on a pole and make everybody look at him and go... Right? He would, he would, but what did, but the father went, the father went and looked for him. Then the father found him. And it, it doesn't say that he was angry. It doesn't say that he corrected him. It doesn't say he admonished him. It doesn't say he disciplined him. What did he say? It says, he, look, he could have grabbed him and said, come on, puppy, let's go back. No, it says he picked him up, laid him on his shoulders, and rejoiced all the way back. I get this picture of God skipping. I know not the most masculine picture, but it says he rejoiced. He put him on his neck, on his shoulders, and he rejoiced coming back that he found his lost sheep. Do you see the heart of God in that story? Keep, keep that picture. The second story, he says, And what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one, will not light a lamp and sweep the floor, searching carefully for that lost one? And when she finds it, rejoices with her friends that she has found her lost coin. Here's a picture of the father searching, actively looking for. Keep that picture. God naturally wants to recover his things that are lost. Oh, come on. Come on. Anybody here been lost? You've been far from God? You went your own way. You did your own thing. You, you just, some of you might still, you could be sitting here and still be lost. You know that, right? You could be sitting here to please your wife, to please your husband, to, to show face, to do whatever, and still be way out lost. 
The Father's heart searches for those things which are lost. His heart is to find the things. He naturally wants to recover those things that are lost. And then he says at the end of the first two stories, he says, And there is joy in heaven and rejoicing in the presence of God over one person who was lost and is found. Does that sound like a God that's holding thunderbolts and lightning and wind, looking for who he would strike down, looking to see where sin is more concentrated and then blowing it down on those people? Or, or is that picture that we get his, where are my lost sheep? Where is my lost coin? Where are they? And searching, you guys stay right here. You guys stay right here while we go out and find the lost. While we go out and find those that once knew me that left. Those that once knew me that were hurt, that walked away. Those that have never knew me. You guys stay right here while we go out and start to look for those that are lost. Is he looking to punish? Is he looking to, 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 to discipline? I, I don't see that in the word. The New Testament, he's, Jesus says, look, this is the Father. There's rejoicing in heaven when even one person who was lost and is now found. And now in the last story, in the story of the prodigal son, the lost son, he tells us of another father who had two sons but wasn't limited to, two ble to one blessing. In this story, he tells us the youngest son, you guys know the story, the youngest son, he wanted his share of the inheritance. He said, Dad, give me everything I have coming to me. In that time, you can give the inheritance, of, uh, the father can give his, his inheritance to his kids when he was alive or when he was dead. It usually happens after he died. So in a lot of customs, he, he was almost telling his father, I wish you were dead so I can get what I got coming to me. Right? And that custom, that was a, a strong a, a word to his dad. He said, listen, would you die already so I can get the money that I have? Or can I get my money now and be out? I need to bounce. I need to get out of here. I got things to do. I got, you know, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. And so the father divided his, his possessions and gave him, gave him his portion. Now, the father, even in the beginning, clearly illustrates God's love. His, God's love respects man's will and even allows rebellion. Can you, can you catch that today? God respects our will and even allows rebellion. God, the father knew exactly what was going to happen to his son. The father knew what, where, where this was going to go. God knows. When we say, God, God, just give me my stuff. I need to get out. I need to do what I got to do. Anybody been there? I need to go out and do, handle my business. Maybe that's just a man thing, or I don't know if you women do it, but in a different way. But we do it this way. We say, I got to handle my business. I got to go and take care of mine, you know? And, and that usually means I'm about to step into rebellion. I'm about to handle things in my own strength. I'm about to do the things that I know might not please you, but I don't really care about pleasing you right now. I need to get this or have money or supply or do whatever, right? So the father allows this rebellion. The son, it says, the, the story tells us the son left to a far off country and he spent everything he had on wasteful living. To the point where he finds himself alone. I know some of you know this world will party with you when you foot the bill. But they'll leave you dead, dry, and alone once you got nothing to share, right? 
I know some of you have been there. So the story says he finds himself alone and with nothing. And then, catch this, there was a severe famine in the land. Because of the severe famine, no one would give him anything. And he ended up being sent into the field to feed the pigs. And while he was out there, he came to his senses. And he says, I'll go back to my father. In my father's house... There's food. The servants eat better than this. In my father's house, there's abundance. In my father's house, I'll go back to my father's house. But did, did you catch that there was a severe famine in the land? Press in, press in. I'm done. Almost. I'm lying. There was a severe famine in the land. A severe famine would be considered a major tragedy, like a major storm. There was a severe famine that hit the land. And this major tragedy brought the young man to his senses and sent him back to the father. Are you following me? <laughs> Come on. I'm going to let that go around in a circle. I know some of you still, you need another cup <laughs> before you get, oh. Sometimes... The situations that we face and the difficulties that we can't explain or make sense of were allowed in our lives in order that we may come to our senses and go back to the Father. <laughs> See, the famine sent the lost son back to the Father. Church, we pray today that this storm will send the prodigals back to the Father. Church, that this tragedy will bring the lost sons and daughters back to their senses. Church, that this tragedy, we pray today, God, that this tragedy will send the lost back to the Father. That it would draw people to the Father and not away from them. Father, we pray right now for those that have lost everything, for those that have come to their end, for those that once had so much, for those that had boats and cars and trucks and find themselves this morning with nothing. Father, we pray that we could bring their trust back to the Father. We pray that this tragedy will bring the lost to the Father, Lord. That's the picture that we have to get from this story. It's, it's, and, 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 and listen to the way the Father responds. You guys know the story, but I love to tell it. The picture that we have to get from this story is that the son made his way back <coughs> from where he was to the Father's house. And it says, while he was a way off, so he went off to a far-off country. He wanted to get out of the influence of his dad. He wanted to go to a place where nobody knew him, where he could wild out and be him and do craziness, right? On his way back, it says, while he was away off, the father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. What does that tell us? That tells us that the father never stopped watching and waiting for the lost son to return. That's the picture Jesus wanted to paint of the father's love toward us. Family, don't look at this storm and see an angry father. 
trying to punish the lost sheep and the lost sons, but recognize the awesome power of God and understand that these things must come to pass. Understand that the heart of the Father is waiting for those of us to turn back, for those of us to come back, for those of us to come to our senses. Sometimes it takes losing everything we have. Sometimes it takes taking away everything that we trust in, everything that we rely in, everything that we thought we, we, we had covered, everything that we've built up, everything that we've uh, you know, amassed. It, it, takes, it takes losing everything to realize we had nothing anyway. If everything you had could be taken away by a storm, you probably didn't have much. Say amen. If you understand what I'm talking about. On another note, I had to include this because I believe it's true. Understand also that if we keep telling God to get out of our schools, to get out of our courthouses, to get out of our government, get out of our wombs, get out of our lives, we can't be upset when he does. God gave me an incredible picture. Remember? In Genesis, very first chapter, says the world was formless and void. There was chaos was, is the word, right? So before God spoke to the world, there was chaos. When we ask God to not speak to the world anymore. When we ask God, don't talk to me in this area. Don't mess with us in this area. We don't want you in this area. We don't want, well, wherever the voice of God is removed, what's left? What was there in the beginning? Chaos. Keep that picture. Worship team, you guys can come up. Let's give them hope that I'm done. I know that makes you feel like, oh, the worship team's there. We're almost out of here. Let me close with this. Like you're closing three times already, right? Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. The word tells us throughout the Gospels and through the book of Revelation that there's a storm coming. Those of you that are far from the Lord, those of you, God brought you here today to, to, to hear this. God's not angry at you. God's not trying to destroy you. God is trying to redeem you. God is not out for your destruction. He's out for your redemption. There's a storm that's coming. And like the governors and the mayors of, of our cities, they, 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 they tried to tell the people in the city, there's a storm coming. You need to evacuate. You need to evacuate certain areas. You need to seek covering on your lives. You need to remove yourself from certain situations that you're in that they're dangerous for you. The mayors and the governors, they were telling people, listen, this zone that you're in, that's a bad zone to be in. You're not going to want to be there when the storm hits. The Gospels and the book of Revelation tell us there's a bad zone that you don't want to be in because there's a storm coming. 
Jesus told his disciples, you know, those men who turned the world upside down with their devotion and their determination, a faith that even stands in the darkness till today. Jesus said in John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. One of the disciples, Thomas, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. And I don't care what Oprah says. No one comes to the Father except through me. Church, I'm worried because as we saw with this storm, many people during these hard times, even with extreme warnings, they don't listen. And they fail to get ready. The sheep was lost by foolish wandering, and so are many people today. The coin was lost by what someone else did. And a lot of us could identify with that as well. The son was lost because of pure rebellion. Church, don't let that be us. Don't allow these tragedies to harden your hearts. There are dark times coming, but even in the darkness, light dawns. Let's stand. Let's pray. You make all